Joining us today is Karen Batsilis, financial advisor from Your Life and Money Matters, an authorized representative of Avalon Financial Services. Please note anything Karen talks about is of general nature and not to be used as personal advice. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. My name is Karina O'Brien, a fellow working parent trying to manage the juggle. Each week, we'll be looking at all things related to working parents with special guests and solo episodes to help you navigate the world of having children and a career. Welcome, everyone. We've got Karen from Your Life and Money Matters. So if you've ever thought that you need to start getting a little bit more financially fit, this is the call for you. So welcome, Karen. I hope you're having a good day so far. Thanks, Karina. Thanks for um, chatting with me and yeah, having a good day so far and good to have a little bit of quiet time to have a nice adult chat. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, For those who are listening at the moment, we're both doing this during around nap times of of our children. So optimising our uh, downtime. Yeah, definitely. So Karen, what's the best way you'd like to tell everyone a little bit about you and, and how would you describe yourself? I always struggle when people ask me this and then I ask other people what they think and I'm not sure I like the answer, but um, I guess I'm just a bit of a a doer. Like I like to just get stuck in and give things a go Uh, and also a little bit of a fixer. So if someone tells me a problem, like whether it be what should I wear or like, you know, a more complex sort of problem, I just want to go in and and start researching and fixing it for them. Um, So I've had to pull back a bit on that a bit. Um, because people don't like to be told what to do and even though it comes from a good place. So, um, yeah, that's sort of me. I just like to get in, get stuck in, fix problems. Um, and I guess the other thing is because of what I do for work, people think I'm quite serious and, you know, when I'm in the zone, I am. But, you know, the rest of the time I'm just pretty down to earth and carefree and just like to go with the flow. So that's sort of, I guess, me in a nutshell. <laughs> ah, that's very good, very good. And how many little ones do you have? Um, I've got two little boys, so a nearly four-year-old and a um, just one-year-old. And what's been your career pathway um, to where you are so far? So I, I mean, I've been working in financial services for most of my career, and most of that in small businesses. And eight of those years, I've been in financial planning businesses, so either um, running them, and then more recently, in the past five years, as a financial advisor, and. Um, more even more recently um for just over a year now in my own business working on my own so it's um been a bit of an interesting ride but very focused on financial services the whole time but working in quite a few very different businesses that'd be exciting you've definitely then probably got a, a very broad overview of the industry and also a variety of of different cases uh and scenarios of, of what people go through yeah, absolutely. I've been able to work with lots of different types of people um, from, you know, people in their 20s to people sort of in their 80s um, in terms of clients, but also see different advisors and different of how they approach those clients and how different people run their businesses. So it's really given me a great background to get me where I am today. Oh, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to we get down to the crux of it. <laughs> uh, but how have you found that becoming a parent has also then changed your perception of working and a career? And what's also surprised you most in that change? Yeah, I think since becoming um, a parent, especially with the first child, um, you know, I'm still really driven about my work and, and I love it. So I guess that's been one thing that is really lucky because I love what I do. I've still been able to really focus on my work. But I just, I just don't have any time for you know, that sort of mucking around and, and not like having fun type mucking around, but just, you know, the crap that happens in some workplaces. So like yeah. just become super razor focused, efficient. I'm either like head down working or, you know, interacting with people. But if people are just not doing what they're meant to be doing, I just super frustrated and have no tolerance for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, so that's been a big shift um, in like how I work. And I guess my perception was that I would just, you know, have my 12 months off or whatever. It was 
sort of six to nine months with my first one and then go straight back into work um, part-time, but just things would be the same. Um, and like they were the same in some aspects, but they weren't the same as well. Um, so I had this idea, just like put your kid in childcare, away they go, that's fine. You just do your work. But as soon as we approached that childcare time, I was, I was fine with sending him and, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't too bad, but it was like, well, I'm not going to come here and pick you up at six o'clock at night. I'm going to come, I'm going to be leaving work early. Like we've got a family routine and that became the non-negotiable. Whereas before it was like work time was the non-negotiable um, and nothing interrupted my work time. Whereas now work very much just had to fit around my family time, if that makes sense. Oh, I've, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. My husband and I, I used to work later at work and, and come home and, and even log in. And now it's like, right, we've got it. If you're on pickup, you, you, you leave work. Um, yeah, it's a non-negotiable. I know I can 100% relate there. Yeah, and it just wasn't something I'd ever thought about. Um, and it, it's not even like, hasn't been a guilt thing. It's just been a, no, no, this is our family and this is the number one thing and, and this is where we'll be at these times and the rest just has to fit around it. So that was a huge sort of shift, um, I guess, in, in our life. Um, a good one, I think, but just not something I really expected um, or put a lot of thought into. It just happened, um, which, was, which is, I guess, a good thing. Uh, and a good thing that it wasn't a big deal with my workplace at the time for that to happen either, um, which is nice because I'm not, not everyone has that luxury um, and flexibility in their work either. No, no, I definitely don't. How did you go about chatting with work and having that discussion to say, this is a non-negotiable for me. I need to leave at this certain time. Um, did you have a chat with work about it? Yeah. So the funny thing was when I went on mat leave, there was someone managing sort of the business. And while I was on mat leave, he had left. Um, so then the discussion sort of had to be had again. Um, but the owners of the business were all men, but they all had um, young families. So it was a pretty easy discussion. They said, they said, we want you back. We want you back as soon as possible. And, and what do you need? And I said, well, I, I need to leave it for every day. Um, I'm happy to come in early um, and work solidly for that time. But and you know, if I need to do bits and pieces later, I'll do them. And they were just like, yep, fine. It just was never an issue. So that was really lucky for me. It wasn't any sort of going back and forth. It was like, this is what I need to come back. And this is how many, you know, I work two days in the office, one from home, and that was all just fine with them. So it made going back the first time um, pretty easy for me, which I was lucky to have that. Oh, that's fantastic. What a what a good story to hear And because, um, yeah, not everyone's always that lucky to uh, have that, those experiences and also that open communication with your managers and your, the owners of the business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just really um, did value that to be able to come back in sort of at my pace on in, in a way my terms um, and you know I've chatted to heaps of other women that and men as well that haven't had that same flexibility that they've wanted to continue their career in the same way and be there for their family so yeah definitely um, was lucky to have that. Oh fantastic and across the different stages um, of becoming a parent so from pregnancy to being on parental leave to returning to work what has been your biggest challenge that uh, so far and what have you done to actually overcome this so yeah I guess it, like it's such a journey isn't it there's so many phases that you yeah. don't think of before you go into it um, <laughs> you've got no idea what you're entering into <laughs> no like you just it just and it's all these little things that add up and you just couldn't even foresee um, even when you see other people go through that but for pregnancy for me like I had a reasonably easy pregnancy in the early days but towards the end I um, had trouble walking so I had I kind of remember what it's called now but with my um pelvis and hips so they were really uh like just like any sort of movement was was quite painful so in the last stage of pregnancy or sort of for the last three months like walking too much um was a bit painful so I had to but I still wanted to work it wasn't like I could, you know it just didn't want to work so I you know again worked on some flexible hours um you know, leaving a bit earlier, even when I was pregnant, so that I could beat the rush on the trains and wasn't sort of jostled around too much. Working a little bit more from home when I needed to. I did get sent home from work one day because I was limping around. They're like, can you just go, please? 
<laughs> what are you even doing yeah. here? So um, that was a bit of a challenge that I was just so determined that I was there to work and I was going to work up until, you know, as much as I could until I had um, the baby. And, um, you know, in the end, I probably didn't manage that very well, but my work were like, you need to sort this out. Like, yes, we want you to work, but you need to look after yourself. So um, yeah. that was a bit of a challenge to be like, okay, my body is changing. It's going to keep changing and I need to get a bit smarter about how I treat it, you know, in this period. Um, and then going on leave, it took me a while to unwind. Like, you know, obviously you just, when you have a baby, you've got a million things thrown at you, but I worked up until 38 weeks. I was doing a little bit of emails um, you know, up until a week before I had my first son. And, um, and then I had him and it's all encompassing. But at the same time, my brain was still in that work phase um, of doing work and, and wanting to do things. So I think in the first three months I ended up starting a blog to help educate people about money and like I'd, I remember one night I was messaging like a designer on freelance so on images I wanted to use for my blog like while I was feeding and so it, it took a while for me to let go of working um, and that sort of everyday work um, and I guess one of the strategies I used was to have another outlet yeah which I quite enjoyed you know a pressure-free outlet of, of writing a blog and setting up Instagram and Twitter accounts and sharing information um, and yeah, sort of that slowly, I, you know, unwound myself, and then I could really focus on being at home and enjoying that time away from having to work. Yep. Um, but you know, it's really hard to switch off when you're working full time, and then you're not working, even though you've got a whole other set of things that are occupying your time and mind. Um, yeah, I found that hard to switch. Um, quickly so it had to sort of happen over time yeah and I think that's you hear that from a lot of people that say you know they're working really long hours and, and really they have these busy lives and also when you're at work you've got time that's scheduled you've got meetings and you know what you're doing for the day then you've also got maternity leave um, for those people that are lucky enough to have a little bit of period you're going that I remember that first day of going what am I going to do now like my week's yeah. not planned out what am I going to do so, exactly Letting go of that structure. Yeah. Like if, if you're a structure person, it, it can be really difficult to let go. So, yeah, that was um, yeah, a bit of a challenge, again, that I didn't expect because most of the time you think, oh, wouldn't it be, it would be great not to be working? But the reality is it's, it's not always great to not be working. No, and it's not like you're going on a holiday either. It's not like you've, you've got something to look forward to and you're, like, obviously you've got a lot to look forward to. But... Being on maternity leave is very different to a holiday. It's a different mentality as well. Yeah, yeah, it, very different. Um, I've often seen it com um, compared to like a, a like a sabbatical. Yeah, and I'm like, it's not, a, it's not a sabbatical. No. Like, it's not like you're literally not working and focusing on other projects or whatever. I mean, you are. You're focusing on a baby project, but yeah, it's it's a very different type of leave that is, um, you know, it, it has its own challenges that you need to adjust to and, and find out, I guess, your own rhythm. Yeah, and there's definitely no degree and no degree that comes with becoming a parent, that's for sure. So it's yeah. learning on the fly. Yeah, very, different very for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then so I actually started, so then going back to work, I started um, doing little, probably about six months, I started doing little side projects for my um, my work just on a contract basis. So just to keep my hand in, keep me occupied a little bit with things I wanted to do. So um, I slowly built up going back to work. So again, I was really lucky to be able to just do a few side projects from home that fit in when I could do them um, and when I felt like doing them as well. So without any pressure and slowly wound up back to my work days. Um, so that again, fit in with that as much as you need to wind down from work you yeah. also need to then once you've had that time you need to wind back into it if you can because um going from being at home all day every day with your baby to going well bang I'm now working three days and, and this is the schedule that that's a big jump as well so I was really lucky to be able to move into that at my own pace um as well so that worked really well for me wow it sounds like you had a very good employer and very supportive employer during that process during that time um, yeah, they were, they were pretty good. I think part of it was they wanted me back at work. I don't know why. I think they had this idea that I was just going to come back after three months of mat leave and like work 
full time. <laughs> I, I never, I never said that. That was never something I said. But I think that's just the perception they had of me. Yeah. And so when when I wasn't doing that, then you know about the six month mark, they were like, oh well, we're doing this new project. Would you be interested in having a look at that? So they yeah. were very clever as well in making sure that I was coming back and 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 staying involved. So. Um, which worked well for me, but it also worked well for them, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's very good. And did you manage the communication channels uh, with with the employer? Or was it very open? So you previously had that conversation to say, look, if there's anything, you, you're free to contact me? Because it sounds like it was very, um, very flexible um, from both sides. Yeah, so I guess when I went on mat leave officially, I was like, I don't know how much time I want off. It could be the 12 months. It won't be more than 12 months. And I definitely know I don't want to come back full time. So that's sort of how we left it. Being a small business, you know, no HR department, no. Um, so it was a very just, you know, we're, like, we're friends. The people I was working with, the, the owners of the business, you know, they weren't like these big bosses that I had to deal with. They were people that I had a friendship with as well. So it was around, hey, how are you doing? Um, you know, checking in just generally as friends and then, you know, we're doing this, would you be interested, do you want to come and have a chat type thing? So, yeah, it was very casual um, because of the nature of, of the business and who was running it and my relationship with them anyway. And and there was never any pressure. Like it wasn't like, do you want to come and have a chat, we want you to do this. It was, what do you think? Is this something you'd be interested in? And if I had have said, no, I don't want to do that, that would have been fine too. So, yeah, that was very casual and um, lucky to have it that way. Oh, that's such a good story and I wish there were more people that would have the same experiences uh, of maternity leave and returning to work as what you did. Yeah. So you had this blog while you were on maternity leave. Was that the the start of you deciding to create your own business and start your own business? I think it, it was and it wasn't. So it wasn't. I didn't have this goal, I'm going to start my own business. Um, that was never like my, in my sort of big plan goals for replacing my employment with a business. But throughout my career, I've always had these little like, oh, I should go and do this. And I've done little business plans and started doing it. So I've probably got three or four businesses. They're almost like little hobby businesses that some of them never even became a business, but I just did all the planning work. Um, And with the blog, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just start doing this blog sharing information. You've got a lot of time to think when you've got a little baby because you're, you're yes. awake at night and you're just alert. So I would just be like, oh, what if I did this? So it did form in some ways the building blocks of my business today, but it wasn't my intention to do that. So it was literally something I want to share information with people. I want to write a bit of a blog about money because that's what I know um, and, and put that out there. And now that I've started my own business, I have taken some of those things from that initial blog, some of the like the articles I wrote and use those in my business today. But, yeah, it wasn't that intention at that time to do that. Yeah. So what inspired you then to, to start your own business? As flexible as my work was um, and as welcoming as they were, I did feel that to go to keep progressing my career, I needed to be there full time in some ways. And so that was a little bit of a like, oh, okay, I'm here and I'm sort of senior, but I'm not sure where I can go next, especially when I'm working three days a week and I'm mostly only in the office two of those days. So I felt like I hit a bit of a roadblock. Um, and I was like, but I like working. Like people are like, oh, you just want to work three days a week. I was like, well, on actually, I'd probably work every day of the week, but it needs to be on my terms at the times I want to work. Um and even though my work was flexible, I think you've got to be careful how it looks to other employees if you're not in the office working. Yeah. And my client appointments were in the office. So I just sort of, I think that like when I, um, we started thinking about having a second child, all those things started floating around in my head. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can do this on my own. I can do it on my own terms. I can do it really flexibly. And when I get to, so I was really worried about when I send my kids to school, the hours of school are like what, nine till three. And in a way, okay, it's easy. You can, you do have that sort of long-term care. So I was like, how can I get myself in a position where I'm doing what I love, but I'm there for my kids. I do want to be there at um, drop off and pick up for the school hours, 
and I'm feeling a bit stunted in my career development. And so I started looking at different things, like do I study, do I have a career change? And then I was just like, you know what, I like doing this. This is what I really love doing. I'm going to do it on my own. I can totally do this. I can do it my way. I can be super efficient and, you know, work when I need to. So it just was like a sort of marinating in my head for a few months and then it just came to a day I was like, no, nah, I can do this. This is, I'm going to do it myself and it's going to work. Um, so, yeah, as I said, it wasn't a long, long-term goal of mine to have my own business. I was, I thought I was going to go back into where I was employed before and work there for a really, really long time. But as you know, when you have children and you start thinking about the future with those children, things change and it just, yeah, just sort of probably for about five or six months started buzzing around in my head till I was like, I just clicked one. I'm like, no, nah, I'm doing it. Probably someone really annoyed me in the office that day and I was like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm yeah. done. It's, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So how long have you been out on your own and how's it going so far? Um, so when I started... There was a lot of pre-planning. So it was probably around February 2018 where I started going, yep, I'm going to do this and it's happening and doing all the planning. So, But I was officially open in August 2018 as a financial advisor. There's a lot of bits and pieces you need to go through to have a new business that's authorised to give financial advice. And I had to also run it past my existing work um, and again they're amazing in supporting me they let me do my new business while I was still working for them um, which is pretty much unheard of yeah. as a financial advisor to be able to do that um, so that I explained to them why I wanted to do it so um, so August 2018 I was pregnant with my second child um, he was doing November Wow! Um, and I was like that's when I officially opened for business and I think I got my first client that um, sort of September that year so I went on mat leave I think in October and but I was still working in my business up until like two days before I had my second <laughs> son um because I, I was like I've got to get this big piece of work out so that then I can have um you know some downtime after that so yeah it's been going really well like I've really enjoyed it I haven't taken it to the next level yet because um as I said my my son was born in um November 2018 so I had a little bit of um maternity leave so he's just turned one so he's not in childcare so all of 2019 was pretty much a juggle of getting work done and being home with him my eldest was in childcare but yeah that bit of a juggle of working around him but it's gone so much better than I could have hoped it would even go um you know balancing a baby at home and a business but I definitely early on I was like oh this is so the right decision like it's just it's just working really well um for, for my life for what I wanted to do because I had that um I guess that trouble unwinding with my first I didn't really need to unwind because the work was sort of at my own pace throughout my <laughs> maternity leave if you like yeah yeah so it's, it's been really good it's also so inspiring to hear that you took this leap of faith a few months before your second son was due and that um, it sounds like you've really blossomed um, and, and really grown through having your own experience, um, own business um, and then also managing the juggle while um, you've also certainly got one at home and, and probably working in between all the nap times and, and all that as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've gotten really efficient at working in 40-minute blocks yeah. in the early days. Like, okay, what am I going to do in this 40 minutes because that's all I'm going to get. Um, and, you know, towards the end of last year, I was pretty tired. I was pretty over it. Um, and my second son stopped sleeping as much in the day for a period. So I was, I was like, oh, so worn down because not ever being on my own, not being able to work whenever I wanted or even on set days, like it, it got me down a bit, but I just, um, I started planning for this year, um, 2020 and um, knowing that I'd have more time to really take the business to the next level. So I went through that period at the end of being like, oh, I've got all this stuff I want to do and I just, I can't do it right now. But, you know, I'm already starting to do some of that stuff now. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of excited again and know that I'm going to have, I guess, a really productive year. For couples that are at the start of planning of of having a child, what are you? What's some of that advice um, that you've got to give them, and that you, from your from what you've seen, um, and also probably from some of your own experiences as well. And I think 
my first bit of advice is, and this is something that I did being a financial advisor, being in this sort of world for so long, is I just started putting money aside for the future in investments before. And I was like, this is for the kids that, that we, we hadn't even really thought about having. But I started putting money aside before we even were like went down the sort of family planning path. So if you can and you're listening, do that. That's great. Or tell someone else to do that. Um, it's a really good way of just getting a head start on a future that you don't know what it's going to look like. But then I was like, and if we don't have kids, we're putting this money aside and we can do something really cool with it. So it doesn't have to be just the kids. But I started that early. But if you're already in that um, family planning stage before you're having a baby, the most important thing you can do is sit down and have a chat about money with your partner. And a lot of people don't and because it's just, there's so much else going on. But like you really need to be on the same page about how you're going to approach this big change financially. And part of that might be, yes, we're going to be on one wage for 12 months, but should we try living on one wage before we have a baby and see if we can actually put a heap of savings aside so we've built up a buffer? Um, so there's lots of different ways you can approach it, but uh, the most important thing is to have the discussion about what your approach is going to be. Because if you don't have that, then that's when down the track, you know, you start worrying about money, you fight, you're not sleeping as much because you've got a baby. So I'd say sit down and have that chat. Uh, do a budget, which is not that exciting. But um, before we had a baby, I had our existing budget. And then I had our, okay, we're planning to have a baby. Let's change our budget slightly so we can save. And then I had a maternity leave budget. And then I had a back to work budget. And so it was basically the same budget that I just copied into different tabs in Excel and then altered the figures of what was coming in. And then I looked at like what had to change in our lifestyle so that we could still do things. So, uh, you know, while I was on maternity leave, things like um, some of our investment plans had to slow down or stop and our saving for holidays, like had to have a hold on that. So, um, you know, just little changes that we needed to make so that we would be comfortable still in our everyday life when we had less money coming in. So I didn't have, being in a small business, I didn't have maternity leave at my salary. I just had the government um, maternity leave. So we needed to make sure we had a savings buffer in place and that we adjusted our budget so we could live um, you know, off one wage. And if we couldn't, that we'd had extra money saved so that we could dip into that. And it wasn't a bad thing because that's what the money was for. That's probably a bit of a ramble. So do a budget together on how you're going to move forward and have a chat about it. Have a savings buffer. So make sure you've got some money set aside um, for when you, one of you is out of the workforce for a period of time that you can call on if you need to and it's not going to ruin your future plans beyond um, being on leave. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, no, no, it's great, great advice. Um, I actually had a probably one of our first ever date nights last night my husband and I we sat on the couch and went through um, a budget I'd put together um, for the upcoming yeah. year because I was like right we need to uh, to get a little bit more in line about what we're doing and um, and the year ahead because we keep saying we've got to watch our money but without actually much of a probably too much of a plan so we did sit down had a chat and it actually it is tough um, initially of, okay, well, we're spending money here and what do you think and is that okay? But at the end of it, it was actually a bit of a relief because now going forward, we're both on the same page. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things that you think, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have this chat. And I've actually changed the way I'm talking about it now. So I'm, I'm call, talking about a spending plan because it's okay to spend money, but you just need to decide how you're going to spend it. So instead of going, oh, my God, we've got to talk about budget and we've got to cut back here, it's like, okay, how are we going to spend the money that we earn together to live the life that we want to live? Yeah. And so then just, just changing that point of view gives the power back to you instead of the power on the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're choosing that path forward and you're choosing it together and you're not battling over who's spending what. It's just like, what do we want our life to look like? Let's, let's get that down. And you're right, once you talk about it, uh, you, you do feel better and you know what you're doing and you can move forward. Like, it's like with any advice. Once you've got a plan in place, you feel confident that you can go forward and, and you know, live whatever it is that you've planned out as part of that plan. Yeah, and I think also like sometimes I hear 
people say, oh, if I put my wage and that essentially my wage then just covers childcare. What I really noticed by actually having a budget that includes both our incomes, there's not a discussion of your money, my money, it's our money. You know, we're together paying, you know, it's our revenue paying for childcare and the groceries and, and everything else. That it's not a mine versus yours, but it's, and it, I think also that helps change some of that discussion because I, I hear it time and time again, yeah. oh, I, don't, I can't, we can't afford to go back to work because my wage would then just be paying for childcare. You're like, well, what about if you put both of your incomes together? What does it then look like? Yeah, exactly. I think it is important. And you don't like, I've always had joint finances with my husband. Um, we've been together a long time. So that's just how it's worked. And that doesn't necessarily work for everyone, but you still need to have household money. And absolutely, like I, I sort of hate that when people say that, it's like, oh, well, I, I can't afford to work. It just covers childcare and I'm working for nothing. And there's plenty of other reasons that we like to go to work. And it is, it, it's family money. So if you weren't at home, would your partner's money, your partner's money would then cover childcare. So I think it is good to have that bigger picture. This is the money coming in and these are all the things it needs to go out for. And childcare is one of those. And it's not coming out of your salary directly. It's coming out of that family bucket. And then you're right, it absolutely changes your approach to it. And it's just another family expense. Like usually probably the number two expense in yeah. most families after their mortgage or, or rent. Um, but it, it's a family expense, not something that's tied directly to you. Because I hate the thought that, um, you know, and it's mostly women, that don't want to go to back to work because they are barely breaking even if they factor childcare against them because um you know that's that's not what it's about it's about a family moving forward yeah no i i'm exactly the same it's probably going a little bit off topic but i'm a definitely a better mother wife friend everything by working then you know they're not i need that little bit of time for me and you know my self-care element is actually working um so and i i put that above times my mental health yeah. probably above than the financial element because it's like I need this for me so might sound a bit selfish but I think a lot of people also need to understand that it's like to even think about it's not just a financial aspect there's also other elements to it as well yeah providing they can also yeah exactly I'm a bit like a lot of people you derive value from you know being in the workforce and feeling good about yourself and, and doing something that you're good at outside of being a mother so I'm, I'm totally on the same page and it took a lot of discussions way before we had children my husband had this old-fashioned view like well I will work and I need to support us and I was like oh even if you are able to support us as a family I'll be working so don't stress like it's not you know I need I need that I like what I do um it makes me happy so yeah and you know we're, we're definitely on that page now where we both like our work and we both like our family time and we've got a fair bit of flexibility around that but um, yeah, I think that the money yeah. side of and childcare side shouldn't be exactly. the decision maker, the sole decision maker on whether you go back to work. Like even with Centrelink, they're assessing your childcare um, subsidy based on the family's income. So it's not like it's just based on your income. Um, so you should be taking that whole bucket approach rather than just your income. Yeah. So is there an, in terms of... Also, if you're on maternity leave, what about returning to work um, and that period even returning back to work and before maybe deciding to have a second child? What advice and um, and also I just need to put a big caveat around everything that Karen says. This is not just general advice, not financial advice, but around, okay, you've had child number one. We've um, got that money putting aside. We've got a budget. We've got a bit of a savings buffer. Returning back to work is it like, as you said, about changing the budget a little bit because obviously allowing that extra income, but then also what about planning for that second child? Because obviously there's a lot more expenses that can come from that as well. Yeah. So I think if you've, you know, dealt well with the change of how you're managing your money and you've been, you have been living off one salary, then when you go back to work, I think it's good again to sit down and have a chat not just sort of a budget type chat, but hey, this money could be surplus income for us now if we want it to be. So what could we do with that to make sure that we've got everything set for the future? Because children get more expensive as they get older, not less expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and yes, your lifestyle changes. So things that you used to spend money on, you probably don't spend money on. So some of it just nets out anyway. 
because um, it's taken up on children's expenses instead. But if definitely if you're um, going back to work and your income can be surplus income, the chat can be around what can we do with this instead of just spending it. Um, so I was listening to um, someone speak the other day and they were saying, well, a lot of people want to send their children to private schools, whether it be at junior school or senior school. Really, if you can, if you're not spending money on childcare anymore down the track, you should put that away for for that schooling cost um, in the future. Or you, um, so it's sort of like if you've got the money as surplus, do something with it rather than just spend it and increase your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people, the going back to work isn't going to be surplus income. It, it's a bit of a necessity. So they might have had um, maternity leave from their work and they might have, um, a lot of people take that at half pay and then they have um, the, the government money come in and then they sort of need to go to work because they're almost out of funds to live off. So, But it's still worth having a big budget chat because normally during that period you have made some sacrifices and changes to your lifestyle that are sustainable going forward. So hopefully in going back to work, even after you've factored the um, childcare cost into your budget, that there's something left over that instead of just saying, hey, we're just, we can spend more again, um, you can do something more beneficial with that money, like keep building up your buffer if you do want to have future children and future time off um, or start investing for the future of your children or put money away for a future holiday that's going to make you feel really good. But it's, again, having the conversation, doing the budget, making the spending plan that's going to give you the life that you want rather than feel like you're chasing your tail. I yeah. think it's, it's taking back the control, those conversations that only give you control of your future. Um, they're not something to be scared of. Yeah, and sort of yeah, planning that way because having a second child means two lots of childcare um, in many cases. So how does that factor into sort of your future a few years down the track? Yeah, lots to consider. So you're talking as well about having the chats. How often do you think you should actually have a chat um, with you and your partner about the budget and the financial situation? Absolute minimum would be once a year and before any big change in your in your life. So um, if something big changes, you know, changing um, your work, like what you're doing as a job or, you know, if you just had a big chat but then suddenly you're pregnant with a second child that wasn't necessarily planned for that time you need to have the chat again so any big life events minimum once a year I like my clients to have them with me quarterly um, and in our house to have it quarterly um, because it's a bit of a chat but it's also a check-in so we not only have a spending plan but we track our spending plan and to see how we're actually spending against it and then we look at that and we go okay how have we gone for the past quarter have we spent extra in different areas we have a think about why we might have spent extra and whether we need to update the spending plan because that's going to be an ongoing expense or whether it was sort of an anomaly um, because it just gives you a bit more power rather than getting to the end of a year and going, oh, my gosh, we've spent so much more than we thought and we don't have as much in our savings account or we've, owed up, we've racked up a credit card debt. So, you know, I think quarterly is ideal um, but absolute minimum once a year and for any big life events. Fantastic. And what's your tip for tracking your spending? I use a, an online program that tracks my actual bank accounts um, yep. and then does a lot of it um, automated for you. So there are lots of different um, apps and things out there that you can use to do that. I don't like the bank apps, um, mainly because if you've got different bank accounts across different banks, you're not tracking all of your spending. And I, I do like to have different bank accounts with different institutions for different things. <laughs> so just so you've got a bit of separation. So, um, but yeah, there are heaps of different ones. When I first started tracking our spending, I used to have a spreadsheet and I, this is going to sound really bad, I used to pretty much put every, almost every expense in the spreadsheet and work out how much we then had left in each different category for spending. Um, but thankfully, technology's come a long way since then. So I use one called MoneySoft. I use that for myself and for my clients. Um, there, are, there are lots of different ones out there and they, I think there's Pocketbook. I think that might even be free. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of different ones and they're really good for tracking your spending. They'll do a lot of the work for you in terms of categorising your expenses into different areas against your budget and then you just need to check in on them and, and run reports usually. So um, for me that works using it online. If you're really hands-on, you could use a spreadsheet and just sort of check in where you're at. But I think 
why not embrace technology? It's going to make it easier for you. Yeah, I'm the same. I actually use Pocketbook and I, I find it really useful. So, um, and then both my husband and I have got access to it. I check a little bit more regularly than what he does. Yeah. But in terms of the categories and I exported last night, I was teaching him about pivot tables because he, he's in his line of work. He doesn't use Excel that often. So yeah. it was an interesting ad, but it was useful. And, um, and definitely having that transparency on money um, yeah. as stressful as by having transparency over knowing what you're spending it can actually relieve some of that stress and also conversations about why do you do this why you've you've had that conversation and it also changes dynamics as well and, and makes you don't want that stress in your relationship particularly with a new child it's stressful enough look finance is one of the biggest things that couples argue about whether they've got children or not so then bring you know a newborn into it someone that's not working the same you know not earning the same they used to be it's it's like there's an explosion waiting to happen if you're not on top of it and you don't know where you're going with it so um yeah yeah absolutely like I've had clients that like oh we only talk about money with you because you know we know then we're set and we can go forward but if we start talking about it it, you know can quickly erupt into a fight um because you've got a different view on it so um yeah definitely having the conversations being on that same page like I can give you all the financial advice in the world but if you're not on the same page and you're not having comfortable with you know a budget that you both agreed to to move forward on it it sort of becomes useless having that commitment um is certainly important now I love the quote you've got on your website your current website is that um yes quote saying a goal without a plan is just a wish and I love it absolutely I think it's so true um and on this, my husband and I, about 12 months ago, realized, look, we've got a young child. We want to plan plan for his future, um, future children as well, going because we realized our probably budget um, overview and financial understanding of where we were at was pretty poor and we wanted to get better at it to be able to plan for that future. Um, we saw a financial advisor and they also planned out our life until retirement, which was pretty confronting. Both he and I sat in the, there in their office going, oh my God, like it was quite there, but also um, it's also changed our um, conversations around money. So it's actually been quite a good process. So you're t- saying as well, a goal without a plan is just a witch. Should obviously you're doing your budgets for years, like for an, probably annual as well, but how far, like should people be thinking that 5, 10, 20 years ahead to really think, okay, if they want the option to send their kids to private school or have that big family holiday one time, is that something that, you know, from a financial um, planning sense, um, people should also be having those conversations maybe during those quarterly or annual chats? Yeah, absolutely. So I really, before we sit down and we say we've got a spending plan or a budget, it's good to have a chat just about your goals. What what are you trying to achieve? Because if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, then you may as well just spend all your money and, and, and not go anywhere. But you need to get on the same page about what you're wanting out of life as well for you and your children. So um, is it a big holiday? Is it a bigger house? Is it private education or the ability to take your children on holidays every year and, and educate them, you know, sort of about life that way? Um, so absolutely along with the budget is is the goals the things that you want in your life um, and to sit down and make sure that your budget is going to enable you to achieve those goals so that's when I talk about you know making sure that you can afford everything in your budget but if you can have a bit left over when you get to the bottom of your budget and you've looked at all your income and all your expenses and there's this extra it's what are you going to do with that extra let's put it towards your future goals so um, I would absolutely have that focus and different goals have different time frames. So that's where um, your focus should be. So if it's we want to have a big holiday in five years' time, then that's that's a period of time you should look at. But usually you've got other goals as well. Where, um, we, want to, um, we want to send our kids to private schools in year seven or we want to be able to give our children some money when they turn 18 or 21 or buy them a car, whatever it is. Um, map out what those goals are and the time frame associated with them. And so then you need to track and, and look at those periods of time to see if you're going to be able to achieve those goals with what you're putting towards them. Um, so, yeah, looking at the, the really long-term planning in terms of from now until retirement is, is useful if you're looking at all of your finances and what you can do and if one of your goals is around retirement. But if that's not 
your focus or you're not ready to look at that really big picture and you want to do some work on your own, then definitely look at those short to medium term goals that you have in place and use your budget to work towards those goals. It can be quite confronting thinking that far ahead. What um, tools and tips do you have for people to probably overcome some of those fears of planning so far ahead? I think that's where it comes in with the budget, like break it down into small chunks. So if we're looking at, say, five and ten years, break it down, like where do we need to be in a year? Like it's not um, or what can we actually put towards if we've done our budget and say you've got a surplus of $5,000 for the year and you've got um, some goals around travel and some goals around doing something for your children in the future, you can just say, okay, well, what can we do this year? We've got, we know we're going to have a $5,000 surplus. We'll put that towards those two goals. So you don't actually have to look at the really big picture the whole time. You just have to do small things every year to work towards that goal. Yep. So for my clients, I do map out the future to what it looks like at retirement, but we don't focus on that. So we sort of look at that once. And then we really, the things we focus on are those sort of short and medium term goals. Because if we've done some of the right things early on um, in terms of retirement and having a a good superannuation structure, we can just park that and know that it's sort of looking after itself. I check in on it, obviously, but the clients don't need to be focused on that. They can be focused on what's happening in five or 10 years. And that's where we focus and where we look at the, the overall picture and the financial model and, and the small things each year that we're doing towards that uh, and even each quarter like hey guys you were over budget like by a thousand dollars for the quarter what happened do you realize that that thousand dollars is now not going towards your holiday in 12 months time or you know the new car purchase that you said you wanted to purchase in five years time so really breaking it down into small manageable chunks rather than always looking at that future goal because it's like the future goal is still just that wish if you're not doing small things for it. Yeah. So that's where sort of that planning comes in. So just break it into really bite-sized chunks and focus on achieving those bite-sized chunks. And then the sort of the bigger picture starts to look after itself if you're doing the small things right. So I know as well that when women are going on maternity leave, superannuation sometimes and quite often stops um, when the payments stop. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about obviously we're about retirement, but also around superannuation, is there anything and any strategies that we can do to um, try and help offset that? Because I know that there are some statistics around that women are a lot more financially not as well off as uh, male counterparts because of having those periods out of the workforce. Um, yeah. And I know that some organisations are getting a little bit better of actually topping up the super, um, but it's still not wide practice. Yeah, I mean, the stats are pretty horrifying when you compare them to what sort of your male counterpart will have in superannuation at retirement age. Um, And some of that is because of maternity leave. Some of it is also because often women are going back to work part-time, so they're not, you know, having that same amount go in. So, again, if it's something you can just, women and men in general, before you even think about having a family, look at whether you can just spare a little bit extra money to put into super. So you can do things like salary sacrifice. You can have it go into your super um, before um, your wages are paid out. Doing little things like that. So like $50 a week or a month, whatever you can afford in your 20s and 30s has a bigger impact on putting big chunks of money in your super in your 50s. So again, it's those really small things. So if you can do it before you even think about having children, great. And Again, it can be because you're going to have time out of the workforce or it can just be because you want to build on like that bigger, brighter future and and put some money away. If you're already, you know, pregnant or had your first child um, and you're in that sort of maternity leave phase where there's not money going in and you are looking at going back to work part-time so you're definitely not having those same contributions, there are different ways that you can still add to your super. So um, you can actually put, like your after-tax money into super if you wanted to do that. And there's also, I'll send you a link from the ATO website, but there's also things like contribution splitting where you can actually, um, your spouse can have some of their super that's going into your super fund, um, which is an interesting way to sort of spread, you know, again, that pool of money rather than money in my money, it's family money, and maybe split that across the super account. It can be, 
yeah, so you can still put money in. There's no magic answer for everyone, but there are little tools that you can um, use to help continue to build that up. Uh, and the other thing is just be really aware of make sure you've only got one super account, know the fees, know how it's invested. So make sure what is in there is working most effectively for you because that, that's a really easy one to fix. It doesn't even require you putting extra money and just a bit of work to make sure that it, it's right for you and that can save you um, a lot of money um, in the time as well. Now, we'll go back to you and being a mother. Um, and what strategies and initiatives do you have you managed um, both when you were working and also now a small business owner and actually managing the juggle of being a working mother and um, also a wife and um, friend and, and everything else as well? Um, so I, I'm a bit of a list maker and I always have been. So I have lists of things I want to do. Um, even when I was on that leave with my first, I had lists of like, you know, go for a walk, don't <laughs> go, um, you know, make sure you go out to the shops this once this week, just little things that I could tick off because ticking things off on a list makes me feel good. Um, bit of a nerd. And so I've still got all my lists and what I do as well, like I've got my lists for family stuff and for work stuff, but then if there's really urgent things like for work, I'll also add them into a reminder on my phone. So I'll get an alert for the really, really urgent stuff that can't be missed. Um, and I find that really works well for me when I don't have time to actually check all of the workflow. I know that I'm not going to miss anything that is you know, super critical. Um, I use an app called Otter, which is like voice to text notes. And I found that really helpful because I have to take a lot of notes for my work. Um, for every time I meet with a client, I need to write basically everything down. So if I'm jumping in the car, I can just turn that app on and I can just speak while I'm driving. And then when I get home, just download the file and add it to my client file. So I've got it in my voice, but it also goes to text. So that's a really handy one. Very efficient. Um, yeah. Yeah. I only discovered that recently and I'm like, oh, this is life changing. Um, I have a cleaner yeah. at home. Like everyone I've spoken to that has their own business or that is even, you know, back at work, um, they've said get all the help you can get, outsource things that, you know, someone else can do for you if you can afford it or make room in your budget for it. So I have a cleaner at home that comes once a fortnight, so that's just not um, something I have to worry about. Obviously, I still have to clean in between with two children, but the, the big clean is, is taken out of my hands. Um, and... Like work time for me is work time. And whilst there are some things that need to be done when I'm home with the kids, I also try and designate like this period of time, like say maybe um, I don't know, like a, a Friday is, is no work. So I, I won't be interrupted. So sort of making those, it's not even for other people, it's in my brain so that I can be fully there and show up for whatever it is I'm doing at that time. So just making those adjustments. Um, and, and knowing that if this is totally 100% family time, no interruptions, then, you know, if someone calls, it just goes through the voicemail and, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not available at that time because I'm with my family. The other thing that I do is I talk to my eldest who's, yeah, he's four in April and, you know, I, I let him know that I'm doing some work now. So if I'm leaving the house, it's I'm going to work now. So that's not just where's mum going, she's leaving me type thing. Like he's old enough to have those conversations with and I think it's really important to teach that so that's sort of to get him to have the understanding of I can't always be at his beck and call because I also have work to do um even though I don't go and do that every day like dad does um and I think I was saying to you earlier the other thing is this year I'm planning out our year a bit so when we have um like school holidays because my eldest is in kinder this year when we're going to take holidays as a family and also looking at at the end of sort of each quarter, how I can take some time out, whether it be for myself or with my husband, like so that we keep sort of fresh for the year as well, which is something I haven't done in the past, but I think is really important to do. There's a little bit for yourself, your family, but also making sure there is that structure around it. And sounds like you're managing the juggle really well. Well, it's a it's a work in progress and um, you know, <laughs> a continual learning process as well. Um, about how to do things better but um, you know my husband ha has been able to be pretty flexible with his work he's got a lot of um, annual leave and so we, we're sort of just making sure that we're making the use of that so just like our um, incomes are one family bucket 
our availability is becoming one family bucket and so everything's a discussion about who's free to do what and when so that we can you know show up for our kids but also you know show up for our work and, and be sort of have the careers we want as well yeah no on that um my husband and i use google calendar and we say if it's not in the calendar then it's not happening um and that definitely for us that actually helps quite a lot yeah we've got a joint calendar as well on google calendar and um i also now invite my husband on his work calendar to most things just say he's got it yeah you know front front of mind as well like that works for him so yeah i think having those um you know joint calendars or shared calendars whatever it is definitely helps manage all of that especially like the kids are only going to become more busy with school and activities and you know one person can't do all that alone so yeah, I no. think good good calendar is definitely going to be the secret there yes definitely now given you are so busy um managing family and business what do you Karen do to fill your cup so I, I'm pretty I've been a bit poor at this and like you said earlier, like I do get a lot from working. So um, that is one part of it. Like I really enjoy working. But I've been trying to make sure I have a massage booked in sort of every six weeks, every two months, just to have that bit of downtime. Get to the gym um, is important to me. So um, I'm going to be able to ramp that up a bit this year with a bit more sleep happening in my house, hopefully, and, and a bit more time. And yes. um, I I love to read, so I, I um, have always made sure that I have time for reading. So even if it's 10 minutes before I go to sleep at night, if that's all I can manage because I'm tired, then I still do have those 10 minutes of reading, um, which I think is really, for me, is really a necessity in my life to keep fulfilled just to read. And I don't read anything fancy, but I just I like to have that time. Well, fantastic. And as finally, where can people connect with you and your business across the socials and your website? Um, so my website is www.yourlifeandmoneymatters.com.au and it's and A-N-D. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook with at Your Life and Money Matters. Um, and my email is hello at yourlifeandmoneymatters.com.au. So if you've got any questions or you're looking for some tips, I, I try and post quite a bit on Instagram um, and on my blog, but I'm also happy for people to get in touch and ask a question and if I can help because, because as I said at the start, that's sort of a bit of my nature. I will try and help and work out the answer. And you certainly, um, as I've learnt today, you certainly know your stuff around financial planning and um very supportive, I think, in the whole process and demystifying some of that fear um, around talking about money. So I have to say thank you so much um, for the chat today. I know that I've learned a lot out of it personally, so I hope everyone that you've also listened and, and learned a lot um, from Karen. So I really encourage you to get in touch with her. Um, she's a working mum. She understands if you're a working mum as well, she understands what you're going through. So she'll be able to um, sympathise and, um, and help you through the process. So Karen, again, thank you so much uh, for your time. And, um, and I hope the little one stayed asleep. And <laughs> that again, thank you so much. It's, um, it's great advice. And um, hopefully more people can become more financially fit and remove that one stress from their lives. Thank you for having me, Karina. And really, that is my, my, my goal. If people can just get a bit better at managing their own finances and I can be a little bit part of that, then that makes me pretty happy. So, yeah, thanks for sort of sharing and getting the word out there and enabling me to share some of my tips and strategies. My pleasure. And good luck as well for your ebook. Let us know when it goes live and we will certainly share it for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and uh, everyone go check out Karen on the socials on our website. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A via Instagram at workingmama underscore AU or website www.workingmama.com.au.
I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you.